Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. People are trained to listen to the power figure as opposed to their own bodies. Welcome to episode 52 of The Great Fail, a podcast that examines the greatest success stories and their spectacular fails. What led to the demise of the most prolific people, brands, and companies. I'm your host, Deborah Chen, and this week we'll be looking at the once insanely successful yoga franchise, Bigram Yoga. It was 2013 when a series of allegations surfaced and were made public against Bikram Chowdhury, the founder of the wildly popular hot yoga practice named after himself, Bikram Yoga. One by one, women stepped forward with accusations that included sexual assault, rape, abuse. To the man who was considered a guru, a celebrity, when he created a hot yoga method practice that many considered to be life-changing, touted to have cured ailments, detoxified bodies, and changed lives of millions of people around the world. And now, this revered figure was facing multiple civil suits that likened the 70-year-old yogi as the Harvey Weinstein of yoga. And as more people began to share their own personal encounters, it became clear that he had created a toxic atmosphere in his classes, akin to a cult. In response, Chowdhury denied such allegations, retaliating back and dismissing them as lies, 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 and even told an American TV journalist, why do I have to harass women? People spend a million dollars for one drop of my sperm. Are you that dumb to believe those trash? Welcome to the story of Bikram Yoga, turning up the heat since the 1970s, up in flames by 2013. As a foundational practice of Hinduism, the practice of yoga stretches far beyond its religious roots. 
As a practice of exercise and meditation, so much that an estimated 36 million people practiced it within the United States and 300 million globally. And with brands like Lululemon, Athleta, and Aloe Yoga, where a mat can run you easily over a hundred bucks a pop, it's no wonder that the global yoga market was worth $41 billion in 2020, and it's projected to reach over 60 billion by year 2026. I personally have been practicing yoga for most of my life. In my late teens, I would make a one hour trek to the nearest yoga studio because back then yoga studios weren't as accessible as they are today. But it was such a beautiful experience arriving and stepping into the room that immediately made me feel at peace. And throughout all of my yoga practices, I noticed the commonalities between all the different types of yoga. And they were this. Number one, we should always breathe through the poses. And number two, to always listen to your body. It was like this peaceful pack you get to make with your mind, body, and spirit that the experience was for you and you alone. And then a decade later, I came upon Bikram and everything changed. For this episode, we'll be covering the implosion of Bikram Yoga and the reputation of the man at its head. We'll also be joined by David Emerson, the founder and director of Yoga Services for the Trauma Center at the Justice Resource Institute, who will help us break down the complexities for this practice, what the red flags were that demonstrated the abuse of power that existed in something so divine as yoga. I live in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and there was a big power yoga studio here for years. You know, it probably opened, it must have been 25 years ago. And the owner and operator of that power yoga studio was a, was a student of Bikram in Los Angeles. So that's kind of how I learned about it in the first place. So I don't know, for folks who aren't familiar, power yoga is, is just another very dynamic embodied version or style of, of the yoga practice that doesn't use the, the set Bikram sequence, but um, kind of a similar approach, I would say. It also has a similar approach in terms of the way power was distributed, I, I felt, in, in the environment. So I think that part also got translated. Um, a very top-down kind of guru-oriented approach to yoga, rather than listening to your own body and taking your own body's experience for guidance. It was listening to the external person, the teacher, the, the guru. So for me, that was kind of my introduction. And I think just viscerally and personally, it was a style that, you know, I enjoyed for a while, but uh, after a while got kind of tedious and difficult to deal with. To understand the rise and fall of Bikram yoga, we need to understand the man behind the brand, Bikram Chowdhury. His story is one that starts with very humble beginnings and plays out like a feel-good rags-to-riches story. Chowdhury was born in Calcutta, India in 1944 in poverty and during an incredibly stressful time for the city. It was just after a widespread famine and bombing by Axis powers and just before the violence of India's partition. Despite this, it's said that he began studying yoga at the age of three under the renowned bodybuilder and yogi Vishnu Charam Ghosh. From there, he went on to win the National India Yoga Championship for three consecutive years in a row during his teens. 
but by the age of 20, his practice took a devastating turn when Chowdhury had a terrible weightlifting accident that would leave him crippled. The injuries were so severe that the doctor told him he wasn't likely to ever walk again. With very little left and his fighting spirit, Chowdhury began devising a method with the intent of healing himself. He constructed a very precise 90-minute sequence of 26 yoga poses that were taken from his guru, the late Ghosh. But his method assembled these poses in a specific order and combined it with the heat from the streets of Calcutta in the baking 104-degree weather, which he practiced every day. And as if healed by the sun itself, he was back on his feet and in full vitality within six months. His method had proved miraculous and he saw it as a discovery that could help others. So Chowdhury came to the United States in the early 1970s to establish the first hot yoga studio. He began with a very modest studio set up in an LA basement and then another one in Hawaii. But it didn't take long for the practice to explode in popularity, catapulting the Bikram name into all the major cities. The studios attracted thousands and then hundreds of thousands and then millions of people around the globe. The Bikram practice was available to all and of course students paid to attend, but it was the teacher training courses that would become his goldmine. Chowdhury started offering his famous intensive twice-yearly teacher training courses in the late 90s. This was the class you needed to become a certified Bikram yoga instructor, and there were no shortage of adoring students willing to pay him in excess of $18,000 for the privilege of sharing his sweat in a hot room for nine weeks. Once they passed the nine-week course, they were free to use the Bikram yoga name on their studio, allowing them to cash in on the big bucks. Not only was Bikram yoga embraced by the practitioners, it was adulated by celebrities, major figureheads, including President Richard Nixon, the Beatles, NASA astronauts. And after decades of building his brand, he was hobnobbing with George Clooney, Ashton Kutcher, soccer legend David Beckham, and Lady Gaga. Chowdhury earned the title as the Yogi to the Stars, and his empire put his studio on the map as the place to practice. Studio owners and yoga teachers who helped spread the miraculous detoxifying benefits of Bikram typically charge students about $30 to $40 per class, taking their own cut of the profitable empire that Chowdhury had created. Inside the studio, Chowdhury appeared to be just a simple man in his signature black Speedo, a man bun, and a head-to-toe slick of sweat. Nothing else. But outside his classes, he wore his net worth on his sleeve. Expensive and ostentatious accessories like Rolex watches, fedoras, crocodile skin shoes. And he could be spotted driving any one of his 40-strong fleet of Rolls Royces and Bentleys. He was rumored to have amassed a wealth of close to $100 million. And as his wealth grew, so did his ego. He was charismatic, no doubt, and was adored by thousands, many of them young women, and many of them taking his classes to seek spiritual guidance and to open up, of course, their own Bikram yoga studios. 
In his classes, Chowdhury would compare himself to Buddha or Jesus Christ, and he would sit on this throne, oftentimes with a few of his students sitting alongside of him, massaging his legs or brushing his hair. At the height of his success around 2006, there were 1,650 studios in at least 40 countries. Bikram Yoga had emerged just in time to benefit from yoga's adoption into this widespread mainstream practice. Perhaps it had even helped it along. And Chowdhury was reaping the rewards of all of this, from healing his broken body to establishing a hugely successful business. Yoga had brought Chowdhury a massive amount of success. And with this growing popularity, it appeared to be never ending. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rustoleum's new Custom Spray 5 in 1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. It was said that Chattery's behavior contributed to his initial success and ultimately to his downfall. And with so many other cases of public accusations we've heard in the last decade, when two lawsuits against him were filed in 2013, the floodgates opened. More women came forward and tales of the toxic culture within Chowdhury's empire emerged, detailing the abuse inside the studios and the inappropriate behaviors between student and teacher that played out like a cult leader and his follower. I think what drew a lot of people to the practice, other than the health benefits, was the intense, rigorous workout. It required a tremendous amount of discipline. In fact, Bikram instructors were taught to implement the strict, in-your-face approach where they would come in and push and challenge you to go harder and deeper into your practice, even when you don't think that you can any further. That style of yoga is so antithetical. I mean, it's really the exact opposite of what we're what we're going for here, which is creating spaces where we can listen to our own bodies, using yoga forms as opportunities to make choices, to notice what we're feeling and sensing in our own bodies, begin to respond, you know, to that embodied awareness of ourselves and make choices based on our experience rather than you know, in the trauma dynamic, the need to survive, the need to sort of placate or please the abusive person or system. And so, you know, for me, and I think for this model of yoga, it's not even the vigorous quality so much. It's more the the demand to listen and to conform and to varying degrees, ignore your own body's experience, your own visceral response. It's like an example of what not to do really. And and that's just on the practice side itself. 
It created the facade that Chowdhury and the instructors knew their students' abilities and potential better than they knew themselves. And that was both exciting and frightening. But as such, it created an atmosphere of submission and fear. For example, Chowdhury hated the color green and banned the students from wearing it in his classes. Controlling, but not overtly harmful, you may think. But the examples get worse. He wouldn't allow anyone to leave the room once the sessions began, and some of them had to resort to peeing in a bottle at the side of the room. In an incident, it was reported that someone needed to go to the restroom, and he taunted them by saying, Where are you going? Are you going to change your tampon? In front of the entire class. It wasn't uncommon to hear him call somebody a bitch or mock someone for being fat. In class, he was openly anti-Semitic, homophobic, and racist. Though it made a lot of students uncomfortable, there was a pervasive fear of challenging him. The guru who could cure ailments, who transformed celebrities, who was adored by the world and who transcended this godlike persona. And so, when the claims of rape and sexual abuse emerged, many struggled with the cloud that loomed over the practice of Bikram, challenging their once fierce dedication and their belief system. Those who stepped forward with the accusation were ostracized by their own community. Others quietly retreated. The implosion of the Bikram Empire had mixed reactions of relief, pain, and confusion that affected devotees around the world. From a trauma perspective, pleasing the person with power is incredibly potent. You know, I mean, that survival really requires one to figure out the wants and needs or the, the vagaries of the person with power and to placate them or to figure out how to avoid them. So I think that dynamic is very potent for humans, especially if we're, if we've survived chronic abuse or neglect. So I'm not saying that everybody drawn to Bikram Yoga is a survivor of chronic abuse, but that dynamic of pleasing the person with power and sort of getting something for that is probably pretty potent. In 2016, a California judge ordered Bikram to pay more than $7 million in a sexual harassment case brought forth by one of his former attorneys, who he'd sexually harassed and then fired when she began investigating sexual abuse claims from other women. In the wake of the judgment, he filed for bankruptcy, citing nearly $50 million in liability, including court judgments of almost $70 million against him. He failed to pay any of that money. Chowdhury then packed up his Beverly Hills headquarters and left the United States, opening studios in other territories. Upon digging deeper into Chowdhury's past, it was later found that his previous claims of winning the National India Yoga Championships were false and that starting his training with the Guru Ghosh as a toddler, also false. To think what else he was not honest about. There's a warrant out for his arrest issued when he failed to make the court-ordered $7 million payment, which means that if today the former yoga tycoon comes back to the United States, he'll be arrested. 
but Chattery continues to run teacher trainings abroad, to which young teachers continued showing up, craving his brand of enlightenment, whatever that might be. There hasn't been as big of a scandal or fall from grace within the yoga community as Bikram Yoga. But this case study demonstrates that no sector is immune to the abuse of power, which is pervasive in any area. But the great fail here was the reverence of someone who was allegorized as a god, an immense figure that was omnipresent, who was allowed to have continued his behavior for so long because he was shielded by his empire and by some whose desire and need for an awe-inspiring power greater than themselves. From my perspective, a trauma care provider and someone who's involved in that space, the dynamics of abuse are what are most fundamental. So training people to not pay attention to their bodies, to follow orders, not being transparent about finances, these, these kinds of things to me are, are more fundamental, are, are, I don't know what I would say, whether they're indicators or they're companions, you know, so direct physical abuse and sexual abuse, that sort of manipulation is all kind of of a piece in a certain way. You know, in that way, it's not surprising that those lines are crossed. But I, I kind of feel like it's the dynamics themselves, you know, that, that people are trained to listen to the power figure and respond to them as opposed to their own bodies and their own felt sense. That fundamental baseline for me is really the the main problem. The tragedy of the Bikram Yoga Empire was that it was a powerful brand that actually did many great things for the human body and the human spirit. But unfortunately, nothing trumps human nature. And when a practice as powerful as yoga is glorified into one individual, it loses its purpose. And in Chattery's case, his abuse of power took the focus off the amazing things he was doing as a yogi and for his business, and instead made it about his flaws as a human. Special thanks to Dave Emerson for his contributions to this episode and what led to the downfall of Bikram Yoga. And thank you for tuning in this week to The Great Fail, a program that spotlights some of the most infamous case studies of failed businesses, brands, and ideas, and goes beyond that to garner lessons and wisdom so that we all can learn from the greatest mistakes. The Great Fail is part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. You can listen and subscribe to all of Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcast. The research on each episode is extensive, but none of these episodes would be possible without the tireless efforts of researchers, writers, and reporters. They are all credited on thegreatfail.com under our show notes. Connect with us at The Great Fail on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast so that we can continue bringing you more episodes. And remember, with great failure comes great liability. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. 
Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.